You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We have so much going on. We just realized, like this past weekend, that we're two weeks away from being in Germany. You and me. So that's happening. It's upon us. But we are also like all edit. All, you want to know what I'm doing right now? Editing. You're curious what I'm doing tomorrow? Editing. You want to know what I'm doing a week from now? Editing. Until I go to Germany. But it's coming together Guess really what well. Todd's doing. The season's actually really cool. The first two episodes have shipped. The third episode is uh, picture locked and going to mix. I'm just going to be geeky for a minute. So that one needs to be color corrected and shipped. That's happening soon. Four and five are East Coast trip, which I'm very excited about. And there will be be an even bigger version of four and five combined. Four and five combined would be about 42 minutes. There's going to be like an hour plus version that goes straight to YouTube so we can tell you the full story of the East Coast trip. I'm really excited about that. When we were talking about it earlier, there's so much footage. What time did you show up? We've been talking about that that episode for an hour. We have so much footage for that. I'm really, in case you can't tell, I'm very excited. Lots of stuff coming to the YouTube channels in the interim. We will ramp back up to every single week on test drive as soon as the TV stuff drops. So we've had uh, we've had stuff we've been test driving. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're about to drop a uh, long-term piece on your GTS. It's been a long time since I've done anything to, to put video on that car. Mm-hmm. And so I've done a long-term update and cover all kinds of stuff with the car. So that is coming this Thursday. Spoiler alert about 2022, 24 hours of Le Mans. If you mm. have not watched it yet or watching replays, you don't know who won yet. Spoiler alert right now. Mm. But I'd like to start out with a congratulations to Toyota Gazoo Racing. In the hypercar class, they took position one and two. So they took the overall wow. and they took the top two spots in hypercar. And when I was at the Dallas Toyota event, yeah, yeah. everybody there kept calling it Gazoo Racing. Mm-hmm. We've called it Gazoo, like the children's toy at parties. Like a kazoo, yes. It's not. It's Gazoo Racing. So sure. big correction for me, but good to know. Congratulations to them. The LMP2 class was Jota Sport racing an Orica 07 Gibson. And the LMGTE Pro class, the Porsche 911 RSR19 beat Maybe the Ferrari 488. Mm. But in the amateur class, the LMGTE AM, the TF Sports team ran an Aston Martin Vantage AMR that beat a 911 hmm. RSR. Interesting. Pretty interesting. Okay. All right. What's How cool was the about, RSR running in two classes? Did I miss something? Uh, the different teams. Uh, d- two different kinds of driving uh, teams. Driving. Oh, pro so, and AM. Pro and AM. I'm yep. with you. Got it. Now, now I'm with you. Yep. So what's interesting here is in 2023, so next year from now, the top class is com- a combination of the hypercar, the LMH, and the Daytona Prototype International class into one. Similar cars, but that opens up the entire top-end playing field. And you've probably seen announcements from BMW and Ferrari and Audi and Porsche. They're all getting back into the game, we hope, mm. along with Glickenhaus. Hopefully Peugeot's back in, so wow. Le Mans is ever-changing. Could, be could be very huge. Yeah. But I start with... The compliments to Toyota, because with Gazoo Racing, they are at the top class. They've won for five years straight now. Any GR car we have found to be brilliant. Well, and they are, they are the Audi of the modern time for Le Mans. Remember when Audi yes. was ruling Le Mans for a while? Yes. And now it's, it, I, feel like, I feel like Toyota's gotten less press for ruling Le Mans than Audi did for ruling Le Mans. But it's the same kind of thing, like True. multi-years in a row. A little bit because of lack of competition. Yes, that is very a, fair. You're a right. Slight amount. You're and right. so next year proves all this competition is back in yep. a new class. Yep. And combining the classes actually opens up the playing mm-hmm. field quite a bit. As much as we like our GR86 and as much as we like what Toyota is doing, mm. currently have a 2022 <laughs> Toyota Corolla Cross mm. as you a w- press car. You really want to talk about this, don't you? It's important to note because I was struck with a realization okay. about horsepower. Okay. Now, this is a brand new model. It's the Corolla Cross XLE mm-hmm. all-wheel drive. Yeah. The styling, I know they've got a relationship with Subaru, but it's almost like cribbed from every Subaru design cue. It's not very Toyota to my eye. It's very Subaru to my eye. It's a $33,550 car and combined with a two liter four cylinder engine, it gets 30 miles to the gallon. Okay. Okay. 30 MPG. Yeah. And that's a big selling point for sure. With all wheel drive, that's a big selling point. It is, but it also only makes 169 horsepower and has 150 pound feet of torque. And it weighs what? Like 3,300 pounds? It's 3,325. That's not very much horsepower for that weight. That, was, that wasn't yes. enough. Here's a, here's a note. That was less horsepower 
and torque than the original 86, which weighed 500 pounds less. I'm glad you noted that because this also only has a CVT. Oh, which no. is terrible. That's that's this is this is a bad recipe so far. Toyota is having a Volkswagen Taos moment with their Corolla Cross. Whoa, whoa. Here's the problem. With only low horsepower and torque numbers like that, Toyota has built a car that can't get out of its own way. Mm. And to keep up with modern traffic, you have to over-rev the engine and you're above 5000 RPMs, which means suddenly you're not getting 30 miles to the gallon. True. You've created a vehicle that is now causing traffic because i i had to thrash this thing just to keep up with you know pulling out onto on ramps or just from a stop sign onto a busy highway Uh you have to thrash the boop boop off of this thing sure you do yeah just to keep up with anybody and it's horrible shifting and it seems very sluggish especially low-end torque pulling Mm. away from a stop sign Mm -hmm. if there's traffic coming you're kind of screwed (laughs) if there's a truck coming or bus it's actually a problem to have such low horsepower the last time I saw such low horsepower was the late aughts, 2006 oh, sure, to yeah. 2011, yeah, yeah. somewhere in there. You know, the Honda engines were making 170, 180, 190, sure, which sure. is pretty low. But in a heavier all-wheel drive vehicle with a CVT that doesn't want to get going, yeah. this is not a high point. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to contrast the two. As yeah. much as we love yeah. the GR cars, as much as we love a lot of the hybrids from Toyota, this is not a standout. It, it's designed specifically for the owner that doesn't care about driving, but the problem is they will be driving slower and creating traffic. And then you potentially create a scenario where they already don't like driving, but they think they need an SUV. This is cheap. It's going to be economical. And then they like driving less because they get in situations where, theoretically, this could scare them by not having the power they need in some motion, in some situation. Correct. So here's what bugs me the most, okay. is that the design and engineering teams had nothing to do with this. Mm. It was created specifically by the marketing and product planning. I hope to be wrong. If somebody corrects me, I am ready to be wrong. <laughs> but it doesn't, it seems like a marketing exercise only. It seems like, well, we got to get 30 miles of the gallon mm-hmm. and it's got to be under $35,000. The back seat doesn't have very much space. It's not good to sit in back there. Mm. The RAV4 is a far better vehicle and it's sure. also from Toyota. Well, it gets the same or better fuel economy. It's better to sit in, drives better, more power. Why does this exist if the RAV4 now is such a better vehicle? I think I know why it exists. You're not going to like the answer, but I think I know why it exists. Subaru and Toyota have this symbiotic relationship because Toyota owns some of some of Subaru and Subaru is killing it with the cross trek. And I'm saying it at that speed on purpose. You're right. I don't like this answer. Okay. <laughs> because that is, is it an SUV? Is it a wagon? We're not sure. And the cross trek comes from an origin that is the Impreza, Preza, which was a car wagon. So now you have Toyota who actually is killing it with the current Corolla. Mm-hmm. The Corolla has never been something we've recommended. The current Corolla, we like it in all forms right now. Yeah. We've driven it in the yes. base form with the CVT. We've driven it in the six-speed XSE. You've already ridden in the the GR Corolla. We yep. think the Corolla is a buy. If it meets your needs, buy the version that you yes. like. That's never happened. <laughs> but the Corolla is a car slash wagon, and what's selling is SUVs. So we have Corolla, a beloved Toyota name that means quality, that means entry level, that's going to be awesome. Subaru has the Cross Trek. What if we made a Corolla Cross? It's kind of a Corolla, but it's kind of an SUV. This is how you get there. Serenity now. It is product planning. Absolutely it is. It just, as a designer, it's tough to see this happening. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You're absolutely spot on. But why? Why the opposite ends of the spectrum? It checks some boxes, but it's not good to drive. And we want every car in every category to be good to drive. Something about it. Yeah. No car company is perfect. No. Not every car is perfect. It seems like such a marketing exercise. And when we love a car, we allow ourselves to love it. Sure, yeah. I'll give you an example. The Sequoia is freaking awesome. Yeah, you have it's that also video huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just it's other end of the so spectrum from this. Good, built on the new Tundra, so it's going to be a monster. It's, it's not for you and I. It's not. It's not it's for not a for lot what of people. We're shopping yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about who this can meet and the market mm-hmm. needs, and mm-hmm. amazing. Yes, yeah. they did yeah. a great job. And then there's other cars like this that I say keep shopping. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> move along, move along. Don't stop here. Move along. It's, we got to have a balance, right? And yeah, so when we talk go. about a car and we love it, we'll allow ourselves to love on it. And if it's not good, then you heard it here. 
we have to allow ourselves so to do that. We're, make, we're making a we're making a cars Paul never wants to see again list, and I think we have a second entry. <laughs> the Taos was the first. The Corolla Cross is the second. Yeah. There's the list so far. We'll keep adding. In the meantime, we have many, 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 many. Have I said many? Many car conclusions. Thank you, guys. One of the things that I I love about our car conclusions, every time you guys send them in, what I love about them is how many car conclusions we get where we didn't cover your car debate. Yeah, true. I mean, we love covering the car debates. We do as many as we can. You guys bombard us with it with them, and we appreciate it because we ask for it. But what's really cool is how many car conclusions people say, I wrote you guys. And by the time I got to shopping, you hadn't covered it or whatever. And But I, here's what I gleaned from the podcast and how it helped me buy this car. And we have like six or seven here that we can cover. And then we also have a car debate coming and your questions. It's a big podcast. We started off with Toyota love and hate, and now we're moving on. Just remember that brakes are one of the most important components of your vehicle. When they wear down, you could just replace them. But I think you should upgrade them. Our friends at PowerStop are on a mission to deliver better brakes and components on every vehicle in every situation from towing to track days. PowerStop makes bolt-on direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. What that means is that every PowerStop kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, the rotors, and even those little crazy clips and fasteners that every car has. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they have tested extensively to deliver low noise and low dust. They're on my expedition very low dust. So the next time you need new brakes or just want to upgrade, visit powerstop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy to use brake finder. We've found great kits for our SUVs and our sports cars and our cars of the past. So give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at powerstop.com. I think you should jump right in here to the topic Tuesday. Stalbakken. Yes. Yes. Stahl wrote in from Norway. Hello, sir. How are you? He wrote in because he's been listening to the podcast for a long, long time. And we helped him and his brother buy cars, which is really cool. They they probably would have not even had these cars, they say, without us, which is really cool. His brother bought an 86, good for you, and he <laughs> bought a Mazda 6 in the awesome soul red that is the best color and but because he didn't have the car to match his brother's 86 two weeks ago he pulled the trigger on a low mile one owner miata and he is thrilled with that so he has an old miata and the new mazda 6 that's two mazdas in your garage i did notice but it fits both ends of his just reality of his life and his brother has an 86 and they're happy as can be in norway tucson talk man that's phenomenal (laughs) jeff writes to us from austin texas he bought a car that I really want. Mm. It's 2022 718 Boxster GTS 4.0. Those are quite good. With a manual transmission. Yes. He says it's a big step up from his base 981 Boxster. Indeed. He says he purchased at MSRP. He's extremely lucky. Well done, man. Good job. He ordered this in July last year. Finally arrived earlier the month where he wrote to us in April 2022. He says the Porsche dealer confirmed that his car missed the Felicity Ace. Remember the ship that sank? Yes. By one ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I what what I think is simultaneously amazing and horrifying about this is his dealer told him when he picked up the car, and I, and I want to unpack this one sentence for a minute. Told him when he picked up the car that they are charging a markup on these cars between ten and thirty thousand mm. dollars, and and it depends on did you get a base one, did you get a loaded out one, how much how much the the market value uh, upcharge is. First off, I'm horrified that there's that much of an upcharge and the dealer told you. But what I'm impressed by, genuinely impressed by, you ordered the car, it came in. When you showed up, your dealer didn't pull anything. They didn't say to you, well, because we can get so much more, you've got to cough up more. You got it at the deal you ordered it for. And so as much as I don't like adjusted uh, market thing, I I hate it. I hate it. As much as I don't like that. The good thing here is that your dealer was honorable enough to give you the car for what you planned to pay for it. We have heard horror stories of this. That when the car shows up, because they can get more for it now, they essentially push out the person that ordered the car and resell it. They didn't do that to you. Mm. Have a GTS 4.0 and surprise, surprise, you love it. Venturing green metallic with an agate gray interior, satin and platinum wheels, manual transmission. Jeff, enjoy that car. Yes, I want to come to Austin and drive it. He said come to Austin, you can drive it. We'll be in Austin later this year for our south trip, but that'll be pretty cool. Scott wrote in and wound up somewhere he didn't expect. 
you wrote in a few months ago with a car debate, but he ended up buying anyway. He's listened to the podcast for a while. He wanted to thank us for just kind of making him think about cars differently. He was looking for something sporty, two-door, possibly convertible. He started doing test drives, and he listened to the list. He kind of formulated the list we would have made for him. He kind of made it up. Just he cool. was like, I need to drive yes. the Camaro yes. and the Mustang and the 86. And he actually thought the 86 was the answer. But you and I were discussing somebody in Europe, and we recommended to them the Audi A5 because the person in Europe that we did a, this car debate for, they weren't going to be tracking. Mm-hmm. They needed something mm-hmm. really nice and comfortable and fun to travel across Europe. That was what they were looking for. And we were like, look for an Audi A5. So he was like, wait, wait a minute. That actually is how I'm going to use this. I, I'm I'm not going to do track days, and it'll be mostly just fun getaways and road tripping and that kind of stuff. And he also has a 60-mile-a-day commute, half of it on the freeway. So he went and drove an A5, kind of looking at it through that lens. And he went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, A5. Local Audi dealer found him one, and so he plopped down a deposit and is now the proud owner of a 2022 A5 Cabriolet and could not be happier. Scott, that's a fantastic story. Well, Bon, Scott. Ryan and Melissa Launder write to us about the his and hers vehicles. (laughs) He says, like many others, Ryan didn't write in with his own debate. He's listened to every episode in the past few years since discovering us. That's a a lot of us talking about cars. thank you very much. much. And Melissa, thank you too, because I'm sure you've heard plenty of us talking Mm -hmm. about cars. She's she's had the sentence about, would you stop listening to the guys? She said that, or are you listening to the guys again? (laughs) One of those two sentences has come out of her mouth. You know that's happened. Well, Melissa was finishing up nursing school and searching for a new or slightly used car to replace her 2012 Honda Fit Sport that they'd had since new. The long line of compact hatches Melissa's had since she started driving in 93, the Fit's been her favorite no contest. Mm, Okay, cool. Now, sadly, for the North American market and his Minister of Finance, Honda stopped selling it, as you know. Mm -hmm. So the good ones had been bought. But after writing down many usual suspects, Ryan writes, and the wild cards, and heeding the advice to drive everything, Melissa landed in a low-mile Hyundai venue. Hmm. It's a 2020. In the last year, it was offered with a manual, and it's a color. They sent photos. Bravo, Melissa. That's cool. Congratulations. Well, Brian says, is it the most exciting thing to drive? No. But is she happy? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Well done, sir. That's great. Then Ryan continues that they were looking for a replacement for his 2008 Colorado. Okay. His minimum requirements were a six-foot bed for truck camping, Four-wheel drive to get to remote trailheads to hike and run, and it had to be red Okay, because color. Mm-hmm. Good. Love it. He had settled on a Ford Ranger before he'd driven anything, but then Melissa reminded him, as he reminded her and as we remind everyone else. <laughs> See, the, the <laughs> dominoes here. It's great. <laughs> to drive everything. Ryan had ignored everything we had said about the 2022 Nissan Frontier, mm. and it was at the bottom of his possibilities list. But then after spending time with everything else in its class, it was his favorite place to be. Isn't that interesting? He says it took a few months and several poor dealer interactions. But after uh, one year after she got hers, Ryan took delivery of his. Fantastic. Cool. I, I, I love I love the discovery. Yes. Yes. Process. Exactly. That's the perfect way to put it. I love, Ryan, the fact that you guys at least did have an honest conversation about, well, hang on, what have I not driven? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what, what do we need to look at? And you, here's the thing I think is crazy. The fit was the car to not be replaced. Melissa <laughs> had the fit. that was, was like, right. what do I want? I want another Honda Fit. Right. And she lands on a, on a Hyundai Venue? That, that, was, right. that probably wasn't even on the, sh- like the long, long list. Yeah. But that was the right one because you drove everything. And then you <laughs> had not even considered the new Frontier. It wasn't even on your list. Amazing. And you now bought one. I, this is what happens when you do drive all kinds of stuff. So I want to applaud you guys big time on that. Matt Strinkowski in Stuttgart writes to us, Guten mm. Tag. He's writing to us from his new job there. He's been there a bit over three months and has finally gotten around to buying a new car. They were all mostly aligned on the 135. He says we were all aligned, but things have brought him away from this option. Okay. Firstly, because the war in Ukraine, fuel prices are hovering between the equivalent of 9 and 10 U.S. dollars per gallon. We're about to spend that money when we're over there yeah. filling up some vans and some yeah, cars. Actually, you know what? While we're over there, I have, to, I have to interrupt real quick and say this, Matthew. Uh, we're going to be there very soon. The night, and I'm announcing this for all of you, the night of Monday, the 27th of June... Yeah, right. We have a free night in Frankfurt before the trip actually starts. We are going to meet those of you that would like to join us for dinner in Frankfurt. Location TBD, but I'm putting it out there because we've got a little bit of time before it happens. Hopefully you'll hear it. The night of the 27th 
And if we don't have information, send us emails, send us DMs on Instagram, whatever. We will all rally. We will have a dinner the night of the 27th. We will be jet lagged. But we will be there. We're going to be tired. We're not going to be on our A game. We will be there. So if you'd like to come up from Stuttgart and have dinner with us, we would love to see you, Matthew. Sorry, that just dawned on me. No, that's a great idea. We are really close to it. You're absolutely right. I mean, with fuel prices the way they are, it might be a, yeah, do I want to go see the guys? Do I want to go to Stuttgart? Or can they just, I'm yeah, going to take later. the train. And then I'm going to walk a lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, Matt says, after driving this car, he's worried about the size with he and his wife and their 70-pound dog for road trips. It would be difficult to fit everything needed without a large roof rack box. So 135, I like it. Too expensive for gas. Yeah. May not fit us all. That, that starts to be removed from the list. Yeah, okay. So Matthew ended up searching for larger and more efficient options, as you do, and came across the Seat Leon Cupra mm. in ST trim. It's a golf wagon and has the 280 to 300 horsepower variant of the E888 from the Golf R, but yep. with front wheel drive instead of all wheel drive. Tom's a big fan of that car, actually. Yeah, that, that's a nice engine. It's a honey of an engine. It's got a lot of power. Yep. He says this seems like a big downgrade, but it does two things well that only matter in Germany. <laughs> Okay. One, the top speed is faster with front-wheel drive, and the 100 to 200 kilometers per hour is faster with front-wheel drive. So he can't get off the line, but he says it doesn't matter because the inbound speed limits in it. Germany, that, 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 that doesn't matter. The passing power. Exactly, because the, the 0 to 100 kilometers we're talking, so 0 to 60 in Germany, is irrelevant in town yeah. because of speed cameras and the restricted speed zones and all that kind of stuff. But when it matters is when he's over 120 and wants to get as fast as possible, as fast as possible, the Seat is awesome at the upper level and has a higher top speed than the Golfs. That's when you want it. You want to yes. jam. Yes. He also says the efficiency and the weight is a bit better than the similar all-wheel drive car, of course. Mm, interesting, yeah. Well, he says when you really get to have fun is the restricted zone when it when it ends. Yeah. Yeah, and you pull pull on up there to... How fast will she go today? How much fuel do I want to spend? That's really what it equates to is <laughs> yeah. how, how lucky yeah, yeah. do I feel? How yeah, much yeah. money on gas do I want to spend? For sure, yeah. That's everybody in the left lane putting it down. Mm-hmm. It's just you, you feel good. Maybe it's a Friday. You got paid and <laughs> you put it down. Why did I drive that far that fast? It was fun though. Yeah. So we got this 2015 Seat Leon Cupra with the performance pack that gives you the Brembo package from the RS3. Mm-hmm. He says the brakes are very important for high-speed driving on the Autobahn. Yes, and they are. He says track days on all the amazing tracks nearby. Yep. Brilliant. Yes, Todd mentioned to you when when the the meetup happens, it will just make an announcement as to the location. Yep. But uh, yes, until next time, Matthew, drive that thing on up if you're feeling spendy and uh, <laughs> if you want to spend some gas, <laughs> we will be in Frankfurt. Great. Yes. Back in episode 580, John wrote in, he, he describes himself and we described him as the alpha guy who can't stop thinking about Italians and has owned five alphas. And we made fun of that. <laughs> we, we did. We just, we leaned into that and he said what, what made him laugh is our descriptions of him started making him laugh so much he shared it with his friends and they're laughing now too. So I love that. That's really, really good. He's owned, man, the crazy things he's owned. He's owned a three, uh, 308 GT4 Ferrari. That seems pretty normal compared to the rest of the list. There's a Fiat Bertone on here, the Lancia Scorpion, stuff that you would not normally expect. Well, this is what he was considering yes, if he exactly. wanted to stay this in was, the Italian This was the realm, stuff yeah. on his original email. This is the stuff he was talking about. So, uh, yeah, he, he sold his 1972 Alpha Montreal in December 2021, and uh, yeah, it begins there. Well, I like that you were still shopping because you said in your email you were open to something non-Italian. Yeah, right. He was thinking along the lines of a Cayman or a 996 or a 997. Sure you were. Not really. Sure you weren't. But at this point, after selling the Montreal, he's converted his 1982 GTV6 back to a streetcar. Because it was not. It was really not. Yeah, it really wasn't. And he's been enjoying it while he's waiting for the market to settle. The suggestion for the Alpha 4C and the early Avora and the 997-911 have resonated and they're Good. now on the list. Good. So he didn't really buy anything at this point. He just converted the race car back to streetcar use and is enjoying it because you have it. And I'm glad it runs. Mm-hmm. A, it runs. Yes. Well, step one. We were making a check. lot of let's try to solve this kind of recommendations. And he's he did. We were talking about the Montreal going. We were talking about the GTV6. Yeah. We were going like, you know, can this be a streetcar? We were having some of these conversations. We were kind of theorizing what might be possible. He's giving us the progression. And I still think 4C is the answer. I mean, Avora, you have to drive the 997911. I stand by all those recommendations that we made. But I love that you're looking around Based on what we said, please tell us what you buy, John. 
From episode 639, Gabe DeMores writes to us about his 2015 Honda Fit. Oh, another Fit. I love it. Yes, he says a refresher. He jumped into his E39 M5 because of a lot, a lot of online auction excitement during the COVID yes. thing, during the pandemic. As and those had. are the greatest thing ever. You know, that's according to the internet. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm just saying it's got a whole other level for because sure. of the internet. <laughs> for yes. sure. The, the mystique. Mm-hmm. So he ended up buying that car as the pinnacle of understated German muscle. But it wasn't working for his life mm. because he didn't put the cost into perspective yet. And then he figured it out. In repairs and maintenance alone, the cost to operate the E39 was over a dollar a mile. More than one dollar per mile to Not, operate. Hang on. Hang on. Now, I've seen some scary equations on this before, but generally the scary equations include gas, insurance. This does not include gas, registration, or insurance. That's just the maintenance cost to keep yeah. it moving forward is a dollar a mile. I mean, it seems a little hypocritical for me to cringe over here because of the 928 and yes. all the money I've dumped into that. Yes. I haven't done the math on it. I will never do the math <laughs> on that. You purposely are not doing There's the math. There's no point. Yes. We're enjoying driving the cars and thusly let it be so. But that was a car you bought for all the reasons that you have it. You bought it for the cars of the past, but originally you bought it because you wanted one and you wanted one you could work on yeah. and, and learn to wrench and play just... Make it yours. That was the reason you bought the yes, one you bought. Yes. And then it's working for cars of the past. It has its issues. We have an East Coast piece coming up. It's going to be very fun. It's so funny. But but you bought it with a different headspace. I he did. bought this as, oh, I bought the Holy Grail. I'm going to drive it every day. And then he went, oh, this is scary. <laughs> oh, yeah. He says, almost a year away from that M5. He can't say enough how glad he is to have gotten away from it at the right mm. time. Because things only got better for him from there. Interesting. All right. He says his girlfriend at the time of the original writing is now his fiance, and they're in the midst of wedding planning and house shopping for the future. Hence the future financial goals he had hinted towards in the podcast. Probably good that the wow. M5 went away. Gabe, congratulations. <laughs> yes. He says he appreciated all the suggestions, but he needed to take a step back to think about what he needed now and in the near future, and he bought a Honda Fit, and he couldn't be happier. Isn't that interesting? You went from, you went from an icon like an all-purpose, <laughs> this will be all you'll ever need icon. How can your license plate say a dollar a mile or two dollars a mile? Or how can you fit that into a license tag? <laughs> vanity plate? He now has the 2015 base model six-speed Honda Fit that he got for less than half of his budget. You do have wedding costs coming up. Yeah. Back in October, he, he said it was sitting on the lot for four months because, surprise to no one, nobody wants a manual. <laughs> so they couldn't sell it. You got it for a great deal, and you say it's hilarious to drive. It is, because it has body roll. You can go full throttle everywhere, and you do have that great – that actually has a really good six-speed in it. It does, yeah. The magic seats in the back, that's not your creation. That actually is what they call them. The magic seats in the back are fantastic. He's getting 40 miles to the gallon, and, of course, that makes him go, well, I was ahead of the curve on this. So he is – is loving this thing because here's the, what's interesting. He used to have a Honda Civic Type R, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which he loved, but it was also expensive at the time in his life. And this is what I like, Gabe. You're talking about the fact that you have found the right car for you. It's not the Holy Grail car, right? It's not right. the most fun thing you've ever had. But you were realizing this is a car that perfectly matches. You say it where you are in your life right now. And still makes you smile. That is, honestly, that is practically in a sentence what we're trying to do with this show. That's huge. Just, to, you've you've achieved the mountain peak, Gabe. Yes. And you've done it with a fit. And there'll be something else down the line. Of but course. where you are in your life right now, that's so key. Because you go in and out of these stages of, you know what I really need? I need a car to have, you know what, I need a minivan. I just need one. Sure. That, these sure, stages happen, yeah. for sure. These stories are why we love car conclusions. Mm-hmm. Please continue to write to us. Of course, we haven't covered everybody. We'll still get to more. But I love hearing the stories and the yeah. line of thinking. And here's what I did. And here's how it made my life better. And I've so cool. changed my thinking about cars. That's what we love to write uh, to, to hear about when you guys write to us. And we love to share that with everybody, too. So TV at gmail.com is the web, or the, not website, the email address <laughs> to write to us. When you have your topic Tuesdays, your car debates, and your car conclusions. And you can also go to the website, everydaydriver.com. There is a contact form there. It goes right into that same email address. So either way, we want to hear from you. If you think like us, you're always looking for your next track event, right? 
No matter what your skill level, motorsportreg.com makes it ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. With over 7,000 events annually, it's the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're organizing your own event, Motorsport Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve accuracy, and grow participation. Plus, there's full-time support available as well. Learn more and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver. We do have a cool car debate Josh was writing in from Chicago, but I want to mention real quickly, if you don't know already, there's been a lot of ongoing discussion. I've been mentioning it more, and now the comments are coming, are, are growing. People talking about how much they like the Discord. We have a Discord so chat channel, and it's really cool. And that is one of the big things. If you're a patron of ours on patreon.com, if you're a patron of ours at any level, you get access to the Discord. Mm-hmm. Lots of new people are joining. I'm getting a lot of conversations. Drives are happening. That yes. you and I aren't involved in, by the way. Yes. I mean, as much as we'd love we to We find go, out after the fact. That parts of the country are <laughs> gathering together as car people and having drives. There's discussion. Sometimes the car debates that you and I have continue on the it's Discord. Amazing. People have bought and sold cars to each finally, other. It's, finally. It's really It's become a very cool community. So I want to mention that again. That is happening right now on Discord. You can co- go to our website, everydaydriver.com. The, there's a top banner that you can become a patron if you would like to support the show. There's lots of levels. But all of the levels get you access to Discord, which is really cool. So that is happening. Also, while we're here, if you haven't rated the podcast or the show on Amazon yeah, or made a comment on YouTube, all of these things matter. All of these things. This is the craziest thing about it that I, I've been a bit boneheaded. It's taken me years to learn it and even more years to express it. Well, but these comments at least are the way other, <laughs> thank God, <laughs> finally got through that thick skull. Okay. But, but, but the point here is all of those engagements that you guys give are the way other people find it. It's not because yeah. somebody yeah. enjoyed it. It's literally because you talked about enjoying it. That's how other people find it. So thank you for all the ratings and reviews because that really matters. So funny. Drove the, came in over to a friend's house last yeah. night for uh, dinner. They're having a big family dinner. And so I went over to join and. Guy drove his Tesla. He's got a brand new Model Y. And uh, he saw my car sitting out in front of the house. And he's like, man, that is a cool car. I was like, yeah, I really like it. And he's like, that would probably smoke my Tesla, right? <laughs> I said, no, it is the opposite of that. You yeah. will thrash me off the line. Yeah. When it comes to canyons and track driving, I might have something to say. Yes, we'll have a conversation but later. Yes, off the line, you know, it's not a drag race car. It's not a drag no. race machine, but it's fun to reset people's expectations. Yeah. And that's just based on looks alone. He's like, oh, that's probably way faster than my Tesla. No, you will thrash me soundly. But it's that also weird perception that we all have and we all have to learn past mm-hmm. that straight line speed does not equal fun. It can equal fun, sir. Sure, but sure, there yeah. is not an equal sign of just because this is faster in a straight line, it therefore must be better. Not really. At least it looks like it's faster in a straight line. That's mm-hmm. all that matters, right? Well, Joshua writes to us about a poor man's GT car. Mm. He says he has been enjoying the podcast as the backdrop for countless commutes and road trips, <laughs> visiting his friends all over the country since he was in college. Joshua, thank you for writing. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. He is 24 years old. He has expendable income for the first time in his life. <laughs> Look out. I'm going to write does, the guys. How does that taste? Uh-huh. He's started a new job a few months ago. And he says he admits while listening to the podcast, it's made him mildly defensive at times. <laughs> he drives a 2013 Subaru Outback. What he says, color? <laughs> he didn't tell us the color. He didn't. He left that part out. He, it might be white, too. <laughs> Maybe Who knows? Anyway, yeah. He says, yeah, yeah, laugh it up. His friends sure do. But in all seriousness, it's been very reliable, practical, and whipping it around in the Chicago snow is its own kind of fun. It's served its purpose, but it's time to move on. This is why they sell so well. They are great. They they do all of the things yes. they're supposed to do. The problem is, I have to rant again. I was on <laughs> I was on a back road this weekend, oh, no. and I spent half of one of the best sections going just above walking pace behind a gray Subaru Outback. Ding ding ding! It creates, it encourages slow, scared driving, which yeah. is too bad when you consider the fact that they are excellent at what they do. For sure. And in that anyway, sense, yes. they have met their target market. But it is time to move on, yes. Joshua. Let's do it. Moving on. Well, Joshua does about two hours of mixed highway and around town driving for work each day. And as he mentioned, he loves taking long road trips around the country. Like it. So therefore, he thinks he would like a GT-esque car 
that has a good balance of power, comfort, and fun. Mm. He has yet to elect a minister of finance. <laughs> I like how you put that. <laughs> we're we're good. We're gonna have, we're gonna have an election later, but it hasn't happened yet. So for now, like, that space is yet to be filled. Let, let me explain. Let me explain. Yes. So he says space isn't a huge concern right now. He has experience doing basic maintenance on his cars, but given how much he drives and the fact this will be his only car, mm. reliability is fairly high on the important yes, list. Yes, it will be. Uh-huh. He's always loved the Mercedes GT, the Jag F-Type, the C7 Corvette, and pretty much anything with the Daytona coupe shape, the cam back, the cam tail, the lo- chop the it off, long speed nose. form with the chop. Yeah. Long nose yep. with the cabin at the back, for sure. Yep, that's he all He says, with a budget of around fifteen to $20,000, that's not going to be really realistic for him just yet. Not until you get a, a lot of expendable income. Yes, we aren't quite job. there yet, yes. Where can he go? to capture the spirit of these cars a little more cheaply. Mm. He's driven the Lexus RC350, and he's really liked it, but that was before the COVID tax happened. Okay. He likes the Infiniti G37, but he doesn't know much about them. Mm. Where else should he be looking for to get a taste of Grand Tour? And in parentheses, he limits me to $22,000 as the hard stop. Joshua, this is cool. This is really fun. First off, I want to speak to the RC350. Solid, not amazing. The Infiniti G37 became the Q60 mm-hmm. in coupe form. Okay, Morphed with different exactly. things. And the G37 and is excellent. We, dab- we have an old review of it a long time ago. That's still using the thinking of the 350 <laughs> and the 370. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Technically, it's the 370 that became the, the GT because it was the G35 when it was the 350. Wow. The Z3, uh, 350Z. And then the 370 became the G37. Those G37 coupes actually have aged very well. The styling was great initially. They've aged very well. It's the engine and the drivetrain of the 370Z Mm -hmm. with a 2 plus 2 shape. I think you should definitely look at those because that's more interesting to drive than the Lexus RC. It's not the only options here, but it's definitely more interesting to drive. I have four ideas that I think are interesting, and then I have two wild cards that I think fit the idea better but are scarier. Okay, because that reliability seems to be number one. That's that's an issue. Because this yeah, is the uh-huh. only car. Yep. And I love that you're considering a GT car, especially for the Chicago snow. Tires are the big talking mm-hmm. point. If you haven't heard us discuss tires, we've experienced a lot on different kinds of cars. Yeah. And even on small sports cars, winter tires matter. Yes. They change the driving yep. equation and your comfort and your safety and your confidence when you're driving the car in winter conditions it is not a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when I try to express the difference between <laughs> how much less you're scared and concerned about driving in winter to this is actually fun. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's not 40%. It's not 50. It's a lot. Well, and you've talked about, you've had an outback, which I'm sure has been bulletproof in the snow. For sure. Yeah. You are going to lose that in a rear wheel drive car. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is there is this, this mental block to, well, if I lose all-wheel drive or, or, God forbid, I go rear-wheel drive, it'll be a disaster. I can't get anywhere. That's not <laughs> right. actually the case. Right. Their driving is, it requires a little more thought, a little more skill. But then once you surmount that, you put winter tires, it's just fun. And there's not a lot of elevation or mountain driving in the Chicago area. Yes, so you're not going to be you're not going to be surmounting not, the mass. I have to, I have to do a thousand feet of elevation game right. today in, in a in blizzard Chicago. at night uphill. Uh, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm with Todd. The I, 370Z is what came to mind when you oh, mentioned that okay. G37. The 370 is a little bit sportier. Yes, no, yes. no back seats, but I, I think you'd like either mm-hmm. one of them. And yeah, the cost is really in line. I went looking for 370Zs. You can find all years, mm-hmm. all different mileage. A lot of nice ones for your budget for twenty grand. You're good. That would be interesting. I also thought of the BMW 2 Series. Now we're talking about sure. earlier in the 2 Series run, and probably not. Maybe the M235i, it's probably going to have a lot of miles on it. But even if you consider that 228i, mm-hmm. very great. Yeah, yeah. And you can still get that 2 Series, Joshua, with all-wheel drive. True. You one can of do the, the X. rare yeah. GT-esque cars mm-hmm. that do come with all-wheel drive, even though I do know the Jag does and you know some others. But still, that is an interesting option. Go shop for those. You're going to have to balance the mileage and the amount of maintenance that was done in the car yes, for you for to sure. accept a BMW into your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. The better examples that I have, but they're actually worse because they're older, <laughs> yeah. are your and I cheap sports car challenge. Uh-huh. I thought of your BMW Z4. That's on my list. Such a great GT car. Mm-hmm. 
But then, Joshua, I did find in Arizona, 2009, Mercedes-Benz SLK 300 with a manual with only 46,000 miles, Mm. black on black, for $21,900, just under your hard limit. Mm. Now, it's not the full-blown sports car. It's not a track car. It's it's a little GT car. If you keep that in mind and treat it as such, but it's a manual, one of the last Mercedes manual transmissions. Mm. It's got the bigger engine, more horsepower, and it has the air scarf and probably no mystery ooze out of the roof. (laughs) Probably not. Because everything works. Mm -hmm. Only 46,000 miles. Mm -hmm. It looks really good, and it's the same body style as the one that I had in our Cheap Sports Car Challenge. I'm just mentioning it again. I didn't find it to be the most amazing canyon carver. I I love Porsches. Lotus are amazing. There's sure, so yeah. many better cars than that one for doing track and canyon carving activities. Mm. But again, that's not what you're looking for. You didn't say any of that in here. I'm projecting. Yeah. You yeah. said GT car, long road trips, cruising. This is a little bit smaller, but it's an 09 and it's still low enough miles where I think it'd be just fine. I had mm-hmm. zero problems with mine aside from the ooze. <laughs> And that was an issue. That was an issue, yes. But we beat on our cars. Mm -hmm. We tracked them. We drag raced them. We drove the boop boop off of them. Yeah, we did, for sure. drove them everywhere, and mine had 154,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. And the thing just ran. Yes. I changed the oil. So 46,000 miles on this? I think you'll be fine. Interesting. Just saying. Yeah, You could look backwards. So it's, you know, you're looking at an older car. Mm -hmm. But there's the scariness of what's the maintenance cost Mm -hmm. and the upkeep for an older car. You got to balance that against maybe driving it and seeing what you what you really like. This is all great stuff, Joshua. I, w- I want to dig into the fact of the ones you really wish you could have. Mercedes GT, which is awesome. The Jaguar F Type, which is also very cool, and the C7 Corvette. All three of those are kind of big. They're yeah, excellent, true. but they're kind of big. True. So that guided my my uh, almost to the point that the Infiniti G37 is almost. A smaller class than the one you mentioned, almost. Good point. I mean, we're in a, they're similar, but the C7 Corvette is definitely the most agile of those three. But at the same time, the C7 Corvette is not could not be described as small. It's a big car. So I try, try to think about that, like the long hood big car stuff, because similar to what you said, Paul, I do think that a BMW Z4 Coupe would be really interesting. That's, oh, that's the cool. right shape. Yeah. And if you go back to the era of the kind that I bought, the first Z4. The engines are naturally aspirated, mm-hmm. so you have less turbo weirdness, and you might even find one with hydraulic steering, depending on what you buy. I think only the M's had the hydraulic steering, which is probably above your budget. But the Z4 Coupe is surprisingly cool, and you do have a, a, a naturally aspirated engine. Also in that similar size, and then I'll go bigger, is the Genesis Coupe. Before they rebranded, you can get a Genesis Coupe for this kind of money. Get the V6. Do not get the 2-liter turbo. A little buzzy. The, yeah. uh, and, and also, reliability is a little questionable. The, the V6 that was in there was a pretty good engine. That car drove really well. We actually had a piece long ago and far away of the Infiniti G37 versus the Genesis Coupe. Mm. Jump back about a decade and watch mm. that piece. Terrifying. But, uh, but <laughs> not, not the cars, the, the piece itself. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, separate right. thing. But you could compare that to the G- Infiniti uh, G37. That's a really good comparo. But then I went bigger. I have two thoughts for you. You like the C7 Corvette. Shop the C6 Corvette. Save some money. You're but, talking. But that's in your budget now. You can't yeah. get a C7. You could probably get a C6. So that is a real consideration. I think you'll probably want to change the seat. But otherwise, I think it would work a lot for all of your driving. The C6 Corvette is excellent. But then I thought, you know what else is in that range and is absolutely in this price point? The Pontiac GTO. Oh. It's the C6 engine in a little bit more cruiser GT body. It's less the sports car and more the GT car. With that big 400-horsepower V8 in it, hmm. get that in a six-speed. That's in your budget. So the Pontiac GTO. And then my, I have two wild cards. And they're wild cards because I think they 100% answer what you want to do for your budget. The big, long-nosed, big-engine GT car. But they're wild cards because in order to get them in your budget, they will be older. And the maintenance, I'm just going gonna, gonna to note it as Unknown. Okay. First one is the BMW 6 Series. Oh. You don't have to get the big, don't get a big V12. I'm not saying I go nuts. Just get one. 6 Series. That is a matter of taste. It is. If you like the styling or not. It is. And if you like iDrive from that generation, it's a comes down That's to taste. That's a personal taste thing, and maintenance is questionable. But then my, my actual favorite for you, Joshua, of every car I thought of, 
I started rereading the list, and I landed on that Mercedes GT, and I thought, you know what you need, actually, is the SL, not the SLK, the SL, the bigger convertible long-nose Mercedes. Those cars, I have, a, I have pages of them in front of me. The early 2000s ones of those, it's hmm. everything you're talking about. It's long-nose GT Cruiser. You can get them with big engines and power, and your budget's like all over what those cars cost. You're buying an early 2000s Mercedes. That's the, yeah, that's the scary part. Walk carefully, okay? <laughs> right. But I think outside of that huh. reality, it's everything you want. I remember when Matt Farah bought one, and he had it for like a year or two, and it was his favorite commute car in Los Angeles. I mean, he's, he's owned a lot of things. But it was like, the, if he had to drive across LA, he picked the SL. Because it was just like, well, yeah, I'm going to hang sure, out in that car. Sure. Granted, Matt is a guy that has lots of cars cycling through like we are. And if it broke, it wasn't the end of the world. He got it for a song, which is why he did it. But I, right. the Mercedes SL, Joshua, I think is that's the Mercedes GT you want at the budget you have. Well, interesting. What about going back even further to the mid '90s SLs, the yeah. boxier ones? Because now we're getting scarier. Well, they are. They're, they're there. But that was the era that I would almost trust more as far as running and reliability, just because of the build. Then it was the shots sure. yeah. that I didn't really trust, and I didn't really like that era of Mercedes very much. I would go late '90s, and it's probably been sitting in some little old lady's garage, yeah. and you might I, be able to get a 55. I have in front of me huh. a car that just shocked me. You want to go more modern? 2011 Mercedes SL500. That car is 22.5. SL550 from 2011. What are the, 60, what's the mileage? 60,000 miles, seven-speed auto. That, it, okay, it almost, it almost uh, looks like the GT. That's, that's the modern era Mercedes now. They're I, down that mm, low. Okay, 60,000 miles, so there's going to be some things to pay attention to maintenance Of course there will be, yes. But 22.5, they will take 22,000 even. Ooh. And that's just an example. I mean, I've got a swath of cars here between like 98, which is the boxier one like you're talking about, and the 2011, 2012, which is the cooler looking, more modern style. Right, right. The whole range, it's like three, three generations of the car are available. You bought an old Mercedes SL. Yeah. Be careful. But I think that could be the answer to your question if you want to be bold. That's a really great idea, actually. I really like that for Joshua. I, I mean, when the 03 SL55, mm-hmm. that era, the mm-hmm. early 2000s SL55 yeah, yeah. in silver, it seemed like everyone had them. Yeah. It seemed like we all missed the sign-up sheet. <laughs> like they were being given away somewhere they're cool. they're really on a street cool. corner, yeah. and everybody had one in silver SL55. Just done. And they were very expensive then. I wonder how much those are. The 55s. <laughs> Bump yourself right. up. Paul, Paul's going to need a minute while he goes and looks for that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you could almost get what you're hoping for. Uh, here, Look, here's the scarier part. I just, I'm now looking. You guys can't see it. I'm sorry. 2009 SL550 blue with tan interior. It has 145,000 miles for $17,000. Yeah, but the miles don't scare me, especially on the Mercedes. They okay. don't scare me anymore. Okay. After our experience, I don't care anymore on the there on will, miles. There will be maintenance. I almost look at the higher miles because that maintenance has been done. Somebody's been maintaining that yes. car for sure. Interesting. All right. Joshua, mm. I'm, I'm trying to excite you and scare you all at once. I think I've done well. <laughs> you have. Great questions from all of you guys. Thank you so much. Impossible yes. Schemes on Instagram asks, what are some really popular cars that you just don't share the hype for? Hmm. I initially thought in the wrong direction, impossible schemes, but then I understood your question. And for me, it's the Nissan Skylines, especially the R32 and R33 generations. As much as I respect them, mm. I haven't been on the hype train about those cars. Mm. Those are like holy grail, bow down and kiss the ground. They just drove sure. over for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am not that way. I respect the specs. I respect the car. Mm-hmm. They have put Nissan where they are in terms of the generations and they're excellent and they were great for their time. I just never really got into it. Interesting. My answer here, uh, I think, <laughs> shows the fact that occasionally I am a mature adult. Occasionally. <laughs> occasionally. This is one of those times. You know what I just don't connect with is the hypercar companies. Lamborghini, yeah. Ferrari, and McLaren. Yeah. I, we have driven those cars. Yeah. I, I respect them and, I, and I, there is a mystique still. 
But the modern versions of those cars, I realize that I just don't engage enough that I actually lose like, oh, which model is that? <laughs> I actually lose that because that a fur- because they're uh. they're out of reach. Here, there's a, there's a, a rain, range of reasons here. They're out of reach financially mm-hmm. for most of us. They are so powerful and capable, you will never use all of it, even on a track. Now they break on track anyway. They are what? prone to break on track. That's the next thing I was going to say. They're prone yeah. to break on track, and they're only available with high-speed paddle shift transmissions, which, while very impressive for numbers, are less engaging. So you have a car you can't use all of and you can't engage fully with, and you spent a fortune for, and if you drive it really hard, it has a tendency to break. I can't get there. I like seeing them. They are pretty objects. But I'm not I seriously, if I had the money to buy yeah. one of those cars, yeah. I would buy a few of something else. Now I realize a lot of people that have the money to buy those cars, it's one of the cars they own. Right. They, yes. you, we yes. rarely and this podcast is a great example. We rarely hear about people that saved and saved and scraped and scraped to buy a quarter million dollar car. We They're YouTubers if they are. <laughs> but that's the first of many. <laughs> if you're going to scrape and get by, you're going to buy a car typically less than six figures, and that's mm-hmm. going to be like the Holy Grail car. But these right. quarter million dollar and $500,000 hyper cars are one of the cars that this person owns. And they get driven to cars and coffee, and they look cool. And I, I it sounds weird. I kind of don't care. I'm with you on that. It's hard to really connect, especially after our experience at last year's Utah meetup. Mm-hmm. We're all on track, and midway through the day, an owner in a brand new SF90 showed up, did two laps, and promptly broke. Yes. Mm -hmm. Done for the day. Yep. Brand new Ferrari SF90. You would think if any car is ready for the track, it's any Ferrari off the showroom floor. I don't care. Yeah. And it broke. And it just, it didn't do whatever happened. If it was a software, like, what am I doing? You know, the car's on track. (laughs) Wrong setting. It doesn't matter what it is. The fact that it wasn't ready for a track day, ready to go. That's what Ferrari, the mystique. Mm, For sure, yeah. Sort of implies when you see a Ferrari, it's ready for track at any time, you know, ready to go. Yeah, I, I don't connect with them either. And I look at that and think... Man, that would be like a sweet Cayman 4.0 and GTS and a 86 and a something else, just like you were talking. <laughs> we want the collection. Eric on Facebook and Club Racer on Instagram had very similar questions. I want to cover them both. Eric, you said that you were listening. You've joined the Patreon and the Discord, and you really like it. Thank you for that. You also said you've been listening to older podcasts, and you were listening through 2019. And you and I, Paul, mentioned that we figured we'd have the, might have my Elise, you'd have your Cayman maybe for another year or so and probably sell it. Years have gone by and those cars are still very much in our garage. We said if we decided that we love them too much and then Club Racer 6 says that, is it because of our constant, he describes it as, I love this, conga line of press cars (laughs) plus the challenge cars we buy every year. Has this helped the Elise and the Cayman stay longer? And those of you out there that don't get cars as often as we do, is that means you want to change up more. There's two things going on here. I think in both cases, you guys are correct. We love these cars. Mm -hmm. We currently love them. But yes, we have been buying a car to put through the ringer every year for the past, what are we going on, four years now? Yeah. If you count the 86, that's the fourth car in a row we've bought to do show stuff with. Wow. Okay? So that does feed the need. That is part of it. Also, I... I have seriously considered selling the Elise. I I really have because I feel like no car is a forever car. That car is the closest I've ever come to having a forever car, and it may be, but I realize that because I have – that's why I call it a cul-de-sac car. I have found nothing else that is the – well, since I've had an Elise, I need to have a – there isn't a next mm. in that lineup that is such Amira. a mirror that is well, no, but speak, but see, even that is more toward the Cayman and nicer than the Elise is. True, true. I could actually see as crazy as it sounds. I could see a person. I don't think it'll be me having an Elise and an Amira in the same garage. Because That's a lovely the, garage. Because the Elise is so much more small, light. Think about this. The the Emira is 50% heavier than yeah, the Elise. It's a fat pig. 50%. Compared. Any at, car is though. Exactly. Any car. So a 2,000-pound go-kart like the Elise is, that is a, such a moment in time never happen again that yeah. has made me keep it because I'm like, I, if I sell this, it's not like, well, I replaced an Elise with it. No, I didn't. I just got rid of an Elise. I don't have one anymore. So that's kept it around. Now, in the last year, there's a twist on the Elise. <laughs> My wife has told me. <laughs> yes. And, and she, she doesn't make big car declarations, but she's told me, and I, and I think she's right here, that I have to keep it long enough for my son to drive it. 
because if I sell it now, he's close enough. I'm going to recreate that thing that happened with me in the E-type. So I have to keep it at mm. least until he's driving age. So he, even if I sell it after that, so he's had the experience of actually driving that car for real. Sure, sure. He has such a connection to that car. The big road trip we took last year was like an indelible thing. Sure, I can see So that. I yeah. have to keep the at least at least that long. But, I mean, it may still be sold, and I love this 86 we have, and I really like that you and I rotate personal cars, and hopefully we will keep doing so. Agreed. See here, Jared Rose one. Asks, if you use Griot Ceramic 3-in-1, do you still need to wax your car, or does this replace the need to wax it, and how often do you need to do so? Always follow directions, but Griot's themselves, in the description, says this really is a better thing than conventional wax. It's more durable, which means you don't need to do it quite as often, but if you use Ceramic 3-in-1 wax and then you use Ceramic Speed Shine quite often, she's going to look great. It's just you're going to keep it looking really, really great for a long time. Yes, you can always do waxing is generally recommended as twice a year, Mm -hmm. but that can back off. You can lessen that Mm. if you continue to use the ceramic three in one and then follow up with a ceramic speed shine. I, like I said, I I say you would, uh, you would have a, a great system there. On Instagram, nine a third, I think that's what that is, is asking this question. It's a theoretical because he has not driven the cars being discussed. He wants to purchase a new car in the next few months. It sounds like over the summer. And he's he's really looking at the 2016 or newer Camaro SS with the V8. Oh, yeah. But his question is, is the new GR86 really so much fun that we might choose it over the Camaro? Yep. What? He said he can't find an 86 to do homework. A couple things I want to share with you here. The thing I don't know about your question is how are you using this car? If you're a person who you're going to get on on ramps or go through clover leaves and you want to put it down and you want to hear sound and you want to pass people with the grunt, it's the Camaro without question. If that's the way you drive, if if you you live in Texas or sections of Nebraska, we recently went through where it's just it's, it's an arrow with some hills. That's what the road yeah. is like. And and putting down some power is the fun part. The eighty six is not quite going to get there, and the Camaro is a better choice. But ponder it the other way: the Camaro weighs a thousand pounds more than the eighty six. It is not insubstantial. It's really cool, but it weighs a thousand pounds more and the visibility is less. And I'm going to tell you a a tangential story here. But the power is more. The power is much more. Yes. And cool in a straight line. Yeah. And and, And I also should say this. The Camaro handles so much better than most people think. Yes. It handles really, yes. really well. You get a good one, and you get the, the 1LE pack is excellent on everything you put it on. Even yeah. with the V6, that car handles wonderfully well. And I think the average person on track or on a back road will be in love with the Camaro. The handling is great. Having said that, the lighter weight of the 86 is a little bit magical, and that car is really good. And the, and the story I want to tell is I was on a drive this weekend, mm-hmm. and there were two cars on the drive that everybody ended up talking about. We all traded out cars. Two cars in the drive everybody ended up talking about. One of them was a brand new 718 Porsche Boxster Spider mm. with the four liter. Oh, delightful. And even as the non-Porsche guy of the group, that car was excellent. It was superb to drive. And thanks to Dan for, for giving us the opportunity to drive that car. It was excellent. Everything about it was great. The other car that everybody talked about, everybody that drove, was our 86 Hmm. People kept getting out of that car, even if they'd driven the Spider first, and everyone to a person drooled on the Spider. But everyone that got out of the 86 was like, that car is phenomenal. That car is so much fun. I'm it's, so glad we could share it with it's people. It's the car that really keeps am. surprising people. Yeah. And that's what I really like. And this wasn't like a huge drive and major hardcore, but it was fun winding back roads, which may not be your usage, and so it might not make sense. But fun winding back roads. And the 86 was approachable to people, and they enjoyed being in it to a person. So what's your usage? Which car matches? Naviat writes to us about any manufacturer asking, will any manufacturer ever make an affordable, as in sub $50,000, V8 Plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, PHEV. With a V8? With a V8. That seems That seems unlikely. Because <laughs> V8s are big, mm-hmm. and then you add the batteries and the motors. Yes. We're talking about a suburban-sized kind of vehicle here. Kind of, yeah. But have you noticed how lack of information, how silent, how non-responsive the Stellantarians have been lately? Yes. Have you noticed the lack of news from the planet Stellantis? 
We, we haven't heard anything from Dodge or, and Naviat says he, he thinks it's Dodge. And I think you're right. I mm-hmm. think they're undergoing a secret renaissance. They're figuring out who they are and who they aren't after the merger, who got fired, who stayed on, what car brands are doing what, what's happening, how are we going to remake the image, what logos are changing. Everything's <laughs> right. on the table. You're right. yep. Yep, yep. I believe that. And they're going to launch with the Firestorm. They're going to bring the models and they're going to completely change Dodge. Mm. I think that's coming. And something will be in there because they have found a niche where the things they build have a long running audience. Yes. They like them. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of nostalgia and they cannot leave that behind, but they also have to look to the future. They have to reinvent themselves. Yeah. A challenger has been around for a long time now. Still little nips and tucks here and there, but we're all ready for a change, but they've been silent. I think we're about to get mowed down by coolness from Stellantis. I hope that we do. Yes, we do. We do hope let's, that. Let's put it that way. And uh, yeah, maybe Dodge. Thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Topic Tuesdays, car debates and car conclusions. Yes. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. We're always, always looking forward to next time. Thank you all. Cheers, everyone.